Let us center ourselves on now on that feeling of hope and that tomorrow is a highway that leads to the place where God is calling us as we join together uh, by turning our hearts to our second reading, which comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. So hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that as we come together and remember the hope, the love, the grace we have been given, that it may open our hearts and minds and allow us to see the world knowing that we are who we are, created in your image, and that we may use that confidence as we boast, so to say, to share that love with others. We lift these things up in your most holy name. Amen. You know, I find that as I get older, I've been working on honing some of those essential life skills, such as cooking. Hopefully the next time Heather can attest to my improved cooking skills. But at the same time, it's hard because when I do something, I like to do it well, which explains my uh, obscenely complex coffee setup in my house. And that can lead me down a lot of rabbit holes. Because I've always believed that if you're going to start out doing something, you should try and do it well. So when it comes to cooking, I believe that if I'm going to do it well, I should start out with a quality kitchen tool, uh, like a knife. Because let me tell you, there is nothing worse than a knife that is dull or cheaply made. It's one of the most frustrating things for me to cut into a fresh, ripe tomato, and the knife just mushes it and squeezes the juice out instead of slicing through it like a finely honed blade. And there's a lot of science that goes into making a good knife. They take different metals and they'll fold them together uh, by putting it into an extremely hot heat source like a forge. And after working the metals to form uh, the basic shape, they'll quench it in an oil or something like it. And it will freeze the particles of metal where they are in a, in a state where they are highly stressed to create something that is durable and can hold a, a proper edge. You have different parts coming together to make something that is used in our everyday lives, and depending on what tools you might have, they too might be under more stress than you think. I was thinking a lot about the similarities between knife-making and the passage from Paul's letters to the Romans. I know that might sound odd at first, but stick with me, and I think you'll start to see the connection between the two. 
Because let's start by being upfront and open about something and acknowledge that the suffering and hardships that Paul writes about can range vastly on a scale. They can range from things that are manageable to things where we find that we need a little more help or help from others. And while Paul doesn't explore the varying levels of, of, of such pains, they are things that influence and make up who we are and how we craft the narrative of our lives that shapes our relationships to the world around us. And so then when you start to think about it more, I think the similarities come through. I mean, for example, think about the stresses that the metal goes under, like I said, in order to become a hardened piece that is used to uh, then be transformed into a refined tool. And then how we also go through transformations when we undergo the trials life throws at us. And hopefully then we would find that in the end our hearts have become honed and transformed as well. But in the same way, we need to be careful. We need to be careful because when we become something that is honed, such as a, a knife that is skillfully made, we know that it is dangerous. And we too then will find that if we aren't careful with who we've become, then we can do some harm as well if we aren't paying attention. But it's that living in between the tension of the hazards of creation where we find freedom and the power to be who we were created to be in the eyes of God. We are free. We are free to live because we know or we should know now that it is through our trials and through all those things that there is hope and love. Not only at the end of our lives, but also throughout our life's journey as well. Because on those days when things seem dark and it feels like there's no hope, we might find solace in remembering that our lives have been tempered and forged in the hands of a loving God who knows what it was like to be filled with both immense joy and immense sadness and grief. When we consider what it means to be free, to live lives that are free to love and to be generous with the gifts and the talents we have received, we might then appreciate just how precious our lives are and how they reflect a God who is just as multifaceted as we are. We should have the strength to take on anything that comes our way as God who created the world and keeps watch over us as Jesus who walked upon the earth and knew those joys and sorrows, and as the Holy Spirit pours out an abundance of love for us as individuals, as these three members of the Godhead come together, they should be our sources of renewal that constantly flow out from a place of love. But as we remember these things, we will also find that the cost of this freedom demands something more. That it demands that our lives reflect the living God who opens up these new paths to us when we find that we have overcome the hurdles that are in our way. But setting that aside, 
for a moment, there's one thing that I do find odd in this morning's passage. I find it odd because it seems to go against everything that we've heard so far from Paul in regards to what it means to boast and to be proud. Because according to Paul, boasting is one of those human emotions, those human traits that don't seem to lead to anything that's good in the eyes of God. Yet unlike his previous critiques of boasting, Paul seems to shift gears in this reading from Romans. And the text for this morning, our, morning, our boasting can be done with a certain level of confidence and reassurance that it is being done in a way that brings glory to God and reminds us how our work in this world is done in partnership with a God who wants to give us the strength and the courage to carry on these deeds of love and grace with a multitude of others. And that's important because as these things that come our way in life, the things that weigh our hearts down occasionally, they're experiences or hurdles that aren't meant to be tackled just by ourselves. It's why we have one another. It's why God put others in our lives. What we find in Paul's letter to the Romans this morning is almost a type of prophetic boasting. Boasting which expresses hope in what the future holds. You know, those early believers in Rome, they were never sure what each day would bring. All they knew, all they professed, was that Christ's death and resurrection was making the world anew each and every day and being restored it would reflect the beauty of its creator i know that we wrestle with a lot of things in our lives today we wrestle with the questions of employment we wrestle with questions about our education or those who are in our lives who are going through the educational process we wrestle with relationships the ups and downs, a multitude of things that you could probably name. But I would have to have the hope that we can see the hope that is found in this passage if it was enough for the early Christians living in a dangerous Roman Empire, it might be enough to sustain us as well. Because we hear these words that Paul writes to his fellow believers in Rome. He says, we are justified by faith and we have peace. Let those words sink in, friends. Let them sink in the next time you feel beat up or unsure where you're going in life. Because if we let those words and assurances be the things that ground us, we will find that in those times of trouble, we are well equipped to handle what comes our way. That doesn't mean we won't ever feel overwhelmed. Because if you remember in the beginning, I said it takes different kinds of metals to forge something that's sturdy. Keeping that in mind, then we should remember that as those trials come our way, we don't take them on alone because we are called to be with one another as we are continually growing as well.
We have been molded in the forge of life, refined by God as people created in the image of the divine, and loved and cherished as a precious heirloom is by the spirit that sees the things that make each and every one of us unique. And bringing all these things together, we find that we have a lot to consider. So perhaps it would be best to distill these thoughts into a few good points. So then a few good takeaways for us would be this, that we are free to live because of the experiences that have shaped who we are and how God has played a role in our lives. That we are free to live because of the unconditional love that we have received from God and that the fact that we can live with such freedom because hope will not and never die. I think these things are summed up or portrayed at least really well in a movie that you might have seen called uh, The Shawshank Redemption. There's a scene in that movie where Andy has just been released from a month-long stint of solitary confinement as a result of him having hijacked the prison's loudspeaker system to broadcast a beautiful rendition of an aria that was composed by Mozart. And upon his release from solitary confinement, Andy has a conversation about hope with some other prisoners, including Red, who's portrayed by Morgan Freeman. And it's in that conversation Andy's sense of hope is seen to be held in tension with the truth that talks about hope in the gray world of prison can do more harm than good if it doesn't come from a place that's genuine, a place that's authentic. And it's a reminder for us that hope can be a powerful thing. It can be a powerful thing when we find that we are in dark times and in need of a force that is uplifting in our lives. So friends, let us go out there. Let us go out into the world this day and every day, knowing that we are free and free to live in faith and confidence, knowing that it is in God and in one another where we find our strength to be who we are, to be the light, to be the hope, and to be the love that stems from God. But before now, I, uh, before I come to an end, I'd like you now on this day to spend some time thinking about what hope means to you and the hope that we find in God and one another. And to help you spend a little time thinking about hope, I want to play now a, a song that, that talks about hope. And this song was written by uh, Lev Ashanin, who grew up in Soviet Russia. And he had won a, a, a poetry contest as a child where he had painted this picture. And on the bottom, he, he wrote this little poem about what hope means to him. And like I said before, I like to do this song as well with kids because it helps them think about hope and what helps give them the strength to carry on each day. And so spend some time thinking about hope and that freedom that we have to live our lives in a way that builds ourselves up. 
Because on those days where it is a little hard, we might find that we have to rely on one another as a source of hope as well. And so I'll play this song and I'll add in a couple verses of my own. And so just spend a little time uh, thinking about hope, meditating about it. You could close your eyes if you want or get in a way that you're comfortable. But it goes something like this. May there always be sunshine. May there always be blue skies. May there always be mama. May there always be me. be sunshine, may there always be blue skies, may there always be papa, may there always be me. Those are the verses he wrote, and it's fitting for both mothers and fathers and those who played a influential roles in our lives. Now these are the verses I wrote. May there always be friendships, be families, may we all share our hopes, may we all share our joys, may there always be friendships, may there always be families, may we all share our hopes, may we all share our tears, may we walk side by side, show God's love wherever we go. Friends, hope is a powerful force. It's a powerful force, but it's also a gift that comes from God. And on this day, as we have read from Paul and from the book of Proverbs, may we be mindful stewards of this gift as we are continually being honed and forged in a way that we are strengthened by one another and the love that we have from God. Amen.